I'm Sarah Gross. And I'm Sarah True. And you're listening to If We Were Riding. A triathlon-ish podcast. Grab your sock hats, fill your decanter. Friday's here. It's time for some banter. Try tips, life chat from two feisty pros, zoomies, arm hair, ebbs, and flows. Rides with influential women in sport. Voicemails from you, now it's in your court. Join in just to stalk raccoons. Do you like your Zwift caps and fear those loons? So unpad your bras and stop that hiding and find out what happens if we were riding. Hey, Sarah. Hi, Sarah. We have a live audience today. I know. Are you nervous? Yeah, well... I know that you normally have like a glass of wine, but I used up like my, my alcohol quota for the year um, <laughs> with my one beer last week. So <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. They're friendly faces that uh, hopefully they're not judging too much, but uh, yeah, we have a live audience for our podcast. Yeah. So thank you to the feisty team for being here with us, but I wanted to ask you, Sarah, do you know who Bobby Gibb is? I. Uh, only because I know you did an interview with her and I looked it up. Yeah. Oh, you Googled. You had like the heads up. Okay. Mm-hmm. Can I ask our audience too? Does anyone raise your hand if you know who Bobby Gibb is? Did you look it up too? <laughs> Do you know? Okay. So does everyone know who Catherine Switzer is? Okay. So the year before Catherine Switzer ran the Boston Marathon, another woman called Bobby Gibb, like, <laughs> hid in the bushes in a swimsuit and a hoodie <laughs> and jumped out and ran. And she actually ran 321, which is massively impressive. But Bobby is now, she's turning 80 this year. And I interviewed her yesterday or the day before as part of our Title IX series because we're doing a short, this is like total spoiler alert. Like I'm probably not supposed to be saying this, but we're <laughs> we're doing a short episodic podcast with nine episodes about title nine because it's the 50th anniversary of title nine this year and so we're celebrating it by interviewing nine women who were kind of like influential in sport around that time or who had something to do directly with the like changing the law right so I got to I got to interview Bobby Gibb and like I was crying she was telling the story and essentially like she was able to articulate how she um she was just a girl who loved running at a time when girls and women didn't run. She had observed her mother as like, you know, a housewife in the 1950s who was completely restrained and depressed. And, and she felt this freedom from running. It was her way of expressing freedom. And then later, like she became an artist. She did all these things. She was like highly intelligent, highly spiritual and highly athletic. And she said, she pulls out this, she's like, can I show you my sculpture? And she's 80. So she's like in that point of life where like, she'll just say anything. You know, I love that. So she like grabs the sculpture. She's showing it to me. And she's like, I had this vision when I was younger of a, of a, a woman being able to be considered beautiful and strong at the same time, because that was like something that wasn't like, because women were so much associated with like a soft form of femininity, you know? And she's like, so I made this sculpture and she had this old sculpture and it was like a, it was like a woman running with like, and she like with muscles. Like I was just like, this is amazing. Like I couldn't, then she started crying about her own mom's lot in life and and that was it. But um, anyway, sorry, Sarah, that was a really long story. Just to say, I very much enjoyed my interview with, with Bobby. 
Oh, I can't wait to listen to it. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. That sounds incredible. Mm-hmm. And now what? in case of, sorry, go ahead. Oh, uh, but the, my, my question before we move on from Bobby is why the swimsuit? Uh, there was no athletic wear. So she needed something like to hold her breasts. Oh. Like, and so oh. like a one piece swimsuit was like the tightest thing that could, that she felt like she could run comfortably in. Wow. Uh-huh. That's remarkable. Mm-hmm. So things, things we take for granted now. Yeah. And in case I've oversold it, she also did ramble on quite a lot, but I found it very interesting. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> okay. Coming up on the show, we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about, oh, we had a note from a listener that I'm excited to talk about. We're going to talk about animal stories, adjusting workouts on the fly, women and pacing, and I rock because... As a former pro triathlete who now does very amateur crossfitting for fun and is in perimenopause, meaning I can't count on my hormones to be consistent anymore, one of my main limitations is the speed at which I build muscle. It just doesn't come easily for me. I wanted to make sure I am actually getting the benefits of the little time I do have to work out. That's why Amino Co's Perform is the perfect product for me. It tastes good and I just sip on it before and during my workouts. The AminoCo's Perform formula has clean ingredients and is great for your everyday routine to help give your body the fuel it needs to perform at its best and recover faster and stronger from workouts. What's even better is that AminoCo's Perform was created by former Harvard professor and world-renowned clinical researcher, Dr. Wolf. As a competitive athlete, Dr. Wolf has completed 62 marathons in under 230 whoa, and is still fueling his body with Perform at age 75. So if you are looking for a nutritional advantage when it comes to boosting your peak athletic performance, I recommend you give Perform a try. It's scientifically three times more effective on a gram for gram basis than any other protein source. To try it yourself and get 30% off, Use the code RIDING, R-I-D-I-N-G, when you visit aminoco.com forward slash riding. That's A-M-I-N-O-C-O dot com forward slash riding. The fastest path to living healthier, longer starts inside. Inside Tracker takes a personalized approach to health and longevity from the most trusted and relevant source, your body. It was created by experts in aging, genetics, and biometric data from Harvard, Tufts, and MIT. That's quite a list. Inside Tracker provides personalized health analysis and clear recommendations, plus an action plan on how to live healthier, longer. When I do my Inside Tracker tests, I always use the mobile blood draw service. It's amazing because you can enjoy a premium lab experience in the comfort of your own home or your office. All you have to do is book a time that suits your schedule and they will come to you. The scheduling is easy and they send you text alerts so you'll get appointment updates and notifications when your inside tracker health analysis and custom action plan are ready to view. 
It's great for busy people who want to save time. So if you want to try Inside Tracker's mobile blood draw service and find out what's going on inside your body for your health, go to insidetracker.com forward slash feisty and get 20% off today. That's insidetracker.com forward slash F-E-I-S-T-Y. Okay, so Sarah, we had a, an email from a listener. Did you see it? I, I did. So one of, one of the, the, the postscripts of the email was that I frequently make reference to the Upper Valley as if people actually know what it is. And I apologize to our listeners. So I live in, it's basically the, the border of New Hampshire and Vermont, kind of halfway up the state. And we call it the Upper Valley. But clearly, if you don't live here, you have no idea what I'm talking about. Hopefully by now, the, the listeners kind of know. So my apologies, but not really. I, I don't know where it is. And I just ignore those comments because I have no sense of geography at all. But the listener had, you know, do you remember the episode when I was looking at business courses at Cornell and then I got an email from Michael Scott? Yes. And I couldn't believe it. So he, when he was, his graduation speaker from Cornell was um, Ed Helm, like was Andy Bernard. So I thought that was awesome. Which is amazing because, well, was it from Cornell as well? Mm-hmm. Because Ed Helm's character. Yeah. Was the was actual. Cornell grad. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, I get it. That is pretty awesome. Okay, Sarah, you wanted to talk about adjusting workouts on the fly. I'm so curious. Oh, yeah. So this is this is something that made me realize how far I've come as an athlete. Mm-hmm. Uh, yesterday, I had this run session and feel kind of crappy driving to the, the trailhead. I get out. I try. You know, I tried the first couple intervals. It's not, it's not going to happen. Not the way the paces are written. I just, I don't feel right. I feel a little off. Now, old Sarah would have taken that to heart. She would have been like, oh, this workout's a disaster. You know, like I should retire. I'm the worst athlete ever. Like my coach clearly gave me this workout for a reason. If I can't do it, it is a failure on my part. Um, and so I realized I've come a long way because I'm like, Hey, it's not happening today. That's totally fine. This has not a reflection of me as an athlete, as a person. It's just right now, my body is a little bit more tired from travel, uh, you know, from probably two weeks of, you know, being sociable, things like that. And I can't hit the paces. So I'm going to change the intervals. Uh, make it more of a tempo session rather than, you know, what was written. But that to me was, I feel like the goal of a a coach athlete relationship is to get to the point where the athlete feels empowered enough that they can make those sorts of decisions in the moment, you know, and, and it's a, it's a, it's a stage in development, I think, where when you first start the sport, you need to be told what to do. You know, you need to have that dialogue with your coach. So you learn your body, you learn the demands that are expected of you. But the goal is to get to the point where you don't have to text your coach to say, Hey, I'm, I'm feeling off. Like, I think I need to adjust what I'm doing. I don't know. 
the goal is to get to the point where you can like do your warm up and then make a call based on that moment, how you feel at that moment, what you're going to do next. I didn't have to run back to the car and like text Germany because, you know, like I know what to do at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that, I don't know, like, that's just kind of, I don't know at what point in your career you felt confident enough to adjust on the fly or maybe you were always that way. Right. Great question. I was always perfect. Don't you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> I was actually going to ask you the same question. Cause you said like old Sarah would have been so hard on yourself. Right. But is that like old Sarah, like who just happened to come forth in the Olympic games? Like how, like how far back are we going here? Uh, oh, geez. It's, it's pretty recent. Right. Like, that's, that's kind of what I thought. I mean, yeah. maybe halfway through my career uh-huh. uh, up until this point. So like the more my coach now is pretty hands-off, like he mm-hmm. writes my sessions, he trusts me, but also I trust myself to mm-hmm. make these decisions. Mm-hmm. And I had to get to that point where I trusted my understanding of my body and the sport and that not doing something as written was not like that wouldn't be interpreted as a failure. Um, so I would say probably like maybe the last five years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. And I just, I'm, I'm I'm asking that because I feel like some of the listeners might be encouraged to know that like, if, if you're still a person who's like having trouble letting go of workouts, like you can still like reach your potential, even if your potential is like, whether your potential is coming forth at the Olympic games or not, like, so you know what I mean? So it's not like a, um, it's not terrible if you are hard on yourself, but like, I agree that like shifting that is really important. And, and you asked me, sorry, I deflected it right back to you <laughs> by asking you the same question. Ah, um, standard. <laughs> but I think, you know, it's, if I was like an athlete who like, would, I would feel that stuff more in the long term. So I would like destroy myself right? Like in terms of like just session by session, like I never showed up in Kona in like fit. And I was like almost always overdone. Right. And so like, I would be like, I would never have those ones where I was just off because I don't think we didn't do a ton of, like, I did a lot of training by feel, right. And I didn't use a ton of technology. Right. But sometimes it's just going too hard when I shouldn't just like session after and it layers on and you feel like crap and like, you know, and then by the time you like taper for the race, you actually can't recover from it, you know? So that would be more like, that was more my style (laughs) of not listening to myself. It was like, it was like the deep hole as opposed to like session by session. But I, we had, I had this conversation with Molly Herford on the, the women's performance podcast, because she was saying like how we're like outsourcing how we feel too much with all the new technology, like we're depending too much on like the Garmin and the aura ring. And she's like, you can't depend on technology to tell you how you feel, right? Like you need to be in touch with that yourself. And like, I'm just like a massive believer in that. Um, and what it can bring around on the positive sense in terms of like, if you can learn to trust yourself to do your best, like I'm going to go out there and do my best every day. You like don't necessarily need like a heart rate monitor or like some kind of machine to tell you that you're doing your best because you're doing the right Watts. Like if you can internally know that, or if you can know when doing your best is actually just not doing it at all or going for an easy jog or swim instead of the workout, then, then you're like really in a place where you can be, 
a mature athlete, if you will. Yeah, I, I, I think you definitely make some good points just how reliant we become upon data. So for example, uh, I was surrounded by athletes for the past couple of weeks mm-hmm. and they kept on looking at their sleep scores over, you know, really? overnight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they would compare them in the van on the way to the pool, that sort of thing. They're like, my sleep score was like, a, a I'm only like 60% recovered. I'm like, are you tired? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're like, oh yeah, I got off the plane off of a red eye from overseas and I'm one, per- I'm at 1%. I'm like, yeah, you haven't slept because you just got off the plane. You're tired. You don't need the number to tell you you're tired. Um, and just that whole thing was hilarious to me, but yeah. So the, you're right. Like having the paces could, if I guess, because I understand my body, like mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't let the, the, the numbers dictate how I feel, mm-hmm. but it, it does allow some context. So like, I would have had to dig really deep to hit those numbers, but because, right. because I am a more mature athlete now, mm-hmm. um, you know, I can use that as guidance be like, Hey, for me to hit these paces, it's not in the spirit of the workout as intended. And mm-hmm. sometimes there's going to be a range. Like if you show up at a session and it's supposed to be hard, that's, there's going to be a, a range of paces, a range of Watts, what is hard on that day. But like, if you can't hit it, there's probably a reason. Um, and whether it's, you know, the coach not understanding like external stress or you didn't communicate it with them or, you know, you just don't have it on that day. And that's where I think data is really helpful. Just be like, Hey, my perception of, of like, I can't do these kind of VO two max efforts because I'm too tired. So, but instead I know that I can pivot and do kind of more of a tempo based effort. I get some stimulus from it because ultimately that's, that's the point of training is to provide stimulus. So then you can recover from those stimuli and get a little bit fitter over time. Uh, but yeah, like how, how we become overly reliant upon data. It is, it is really interesting. So you, it's a little bit of both, right? Like it's, it's good to measure, especially if you're training alone to see if I would have to reach too hard to hit that. Um, or, you know, it can, but ultimately you do have to know your body. You have to know, feel. Absolutely. I, sorry. I just got stuck on how interesting that Zwift crew must be when they're talking about their sleep scores in the morning <laughs> on the bus. Like what a fun group that sounds like. They are, they're amazing, but I think it's really common. Like, you know, mm-hmm. people talking about their, their numbers and how many hours and like, that's just, yeah. Yeah. Totally. It, that, that part was funny to me. <laughs> Totally. Okay. And, and we also had a follow-up about women and pacing. Oh yeah. So I was excited mm-hmm. to read that. Uh, in fact, it has been established that women are better at pacing. And you Googled this? Them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So oh, there have been, good there have job. Been, you did there, research for the podcast, did, Sarah? It's a first. I'm very proud of you. I'm very proud of you. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there, there was a study a few years back. Um, there've been multiple studies that have backed this up, but the one or essentially a couple statisticians, 
looked at uh, over a million uh, marathon results, and they saw that while pretty much everybody slows down in the second half of the marathon, women slow down 18% less than men. Um, and also uh, the very young age groups and the very old age groups, they're worse at pacing. Um, the, like the, the best pacers were 35 to 39 and 40 to 44. I don't know what that says, but I liked just as a follow-up to what, what my observation was the previous week, um, mm-hmm. that indeed in marathon, at least, uh, women slow down less. So better at pacing. I don't think it's anything, uh, physiological. It's just pure, uh, you know, interpretation of, of effort. So yeah. that kind of ties in with what we were just talking about. Totally. Also yeah. ties it. Yeah, totally. Totally. Also ties in with my personal experience of like overtaking 200 men in an Ironman marathon <laughs> because <laughs> who are running very slowly because they mispaced the whole event. <laughs> it was something I could look forward to, like actually overtaking a bunch of people, even if they're not technically in the same race as you, it was like a very good place to be at an Ironman marathon. So I'm grateful. <laughs> for them and they're mispacing do you think why do you think with older people i understand like the younger people because like you're you know there's like not that athletic maturity like we just talked about but like maybe uh, the older the people in the older age groups like remember being faster or have like i don't know what what do you think that is uh so i mean your your endurance does decrease over time right Mm -hmm. so the drop off is not as uh dramatic as you know speed mm-hmm. um but maybe maybe there's a correlation there i don't know uh, yeah i can't interpret that result i know well, maybe you could do some research about it for next week yeah and bring yeah that, back. that would be good <laughs> yeah maybe maybe they're just having too much fun they're like maybe they you just know, don't care. They're like doing whiskey get, shots at the, right. at the stations where the bands are playing and stuff yeah because it's it's a 70 plus crowd they're like you know what? I don't know how many marathons I have left in me. I am going to milk this for every moment of awesomeness because they have the perspective of, of time. Yeah. You know, why, I'm like why, that when I'm 70. why rush through a marathon really right. just like embrace every moment of it. Plus mm-hmm. you pay good money to enter it. Right. Mm-hmm. They slow down on purpose. <laughs> that's your theory okay we'll roll with that unless someone wants to come and tell us they have a better theory about that or they know from personal experience um okay Sarah we also have some um animal stories amongst our audience um but I wanted to say first um I, you commented on my Instagram story I took Rosie to like the goat petting area at one of the parks near our house and uh it was so cute. I didn't realize like we were, we were going there anyway. I knew there was like goat petting, whatever. I didn't realize how intense it was. Like you could, those goats are so used to being around people that she could just, she was just walking up to a baby goat and like scooping it up and then like walking around with it. It was so cute. And then, and I realized too, I stayed out. I just let her and a friend go in, but it was, it's, it was like a little bit of therapy for like two girls in puberty. You know, like I recognize right. I'm like, oh, this is therapeutic for these two. They just like cuddled with goats for half an hour. So have you ever cuddled with a goat? Uh, of course. I love- <laughs> Come yeah. on, Sarah. Yes. Cuddled with a goat? Who do you think I am? Of course I cuddle with goats. 
<laughs> Am I the only one who hasn't come? Yeah. I, I mean, my takeaway from the story is you didn't get in there in the pen and cuddle with ghosts. That makes you weird, not me. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Although there was this one pregnant goat that really liked me. Like I was standing on the side <laughs> and she kept coming over and she was like looking up at me and asking me to pet her, like, give it, you know, and I was like giving her pets and then she'd go away and then she'd come back and she'd look at me because <laughs> she was being ignored because she was kind of this like older oh. I'm assuming she was pregnant because she was giant in the the belly. Um, And then, and then she was like, the kids were ignoring her because she wasn't as cute as the babies. So I just had a little love in with my pregnant goat friend. I like Mm -hmm. it. You know, she, she brought you in. (laughs) She did bring me in. Okay. Um, I understand that Lynette has an animal story for us. Thanks, Sarah. Um, I do. Hi. So this story has to do with swimming. Um, And um, I live for um, part of the time now on the big island of Hawaii. And about four years ago or so, and I was still pretty new to swimming. And I was swimming at um, uh, Ho'omalo Bay. Does anyone know that? Maybe A Bay, you might know it Mm -hmm. if you're familiar with the big island or with Lava Man the triathlon. Um, and so I was just in the bay and I was swimming back and forth and like kind of just going from one end to the other. And I got up towards the North end of the bay and I, I was there and all of a sudden these two giant fish came up right next to me. I mean, one of them was, was almost like half my body length and the other one was just slightly smaller and they came up right next to me, right on my hip. And I got up to the edge of the bay and I just did a turn and I was like, okay, these big fish are here. And then I kept swimming and I swam to the South end of the bay and the fish stayed right with me on my hip. Oh, they knew about drafting. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I was just swimming along and then I'm like, okay, well, they're going to get tired of this. So then I went to the South side and I turned to go back North and they still stayed with me. They stayed with me all the way up to the North end again. I turned around and I'm not a fast swimmer. So they're like really spending some time with me and I get up to the North end and about halfway down to the South end again, they finally like peeled off and went their own way. But, um, it was really special. It was really kind of a special experience and, you know, living on the big Island, you know, we've been there for about 10 years and it's only been the past couple that we've been part-time. So before that we were full-time and being in the ocean and there's always a lot of things like dolphins and fish around, but to have them actually like make the choice to swim with me back Mm -hmm. and forth was, was really, really pretty cool. So that's a triathlon related animal story that I have. Did you ever find out what kind of fish they were? You know what? They actually looked like parrot fish, which I also thought was pretty interesting because I don't really see them over there at Anehoomalu, but or not, not that much, not that close in. Cause I was in pretty close, Yeah, but they kind of came on in, but they were, one of them was huge. <laughs> he was so big. Did you or like, she. did you touch them at all? Like, I no. mean, even unintentionally. So they were able no. to sort of stay on no. your hips. They were good. No, they just stayed like right there. And uh-huh. I just was like, kept on kind of glancing over at them to see if they were still there. Tried to ignore them so that I wouldn't, you know, give them too much attention. <laughs> Oh, wow. That's super cool. Yeah. Thanks. Part part of me would be a little nervous though. 
Like, when are they going to turn on me? (laughs) (laughs) I know, like, are my toes safe? Are my fingers safe? Well, Sarah's like crunch coral. (laughs) (laughs) True. Although Sarah's scared of loons. So I don't know if if she could be trusted for her fearometer. For good reason. They're dagger beaks and beady red eyes. I mean, loons are scary. (laughs) They're super protective. And you're in their world at water level. No, they're real jerks. That's all I know. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Okay. I'm sure they're very scary, Sarah. (laughs) Um, Thanks, Lynette. That was awesome. Okay. Nancy, I hear you have an animal story for us. So my animal story isn't nearly as cool as that one, but uh, I I have a a crew that I run a lot of marathons with and we we kind of travel around the the world kind of running around it. And uh, one of my friends, her name is uh, Katie, and I can never pronounce her last name. And she just goes by Katie P. And uh, she is a huge dog lover. And so she makes, as part of her official results from every race she does, her, her Katie T, her Katie, P, her Katie pup date. Um, and she tries to count <laughs> dogs everywhere, you know, all along the course. And so she, and she'll post sometimes, you know, when she stops, she'll post from the course if she stops with a pup. Uh, but she always posts her official uh, pup date at the end of every race. You know, here's my, you know, here's my time. Here's how I felt. Here's my pup date. It's just part of it. <laughs> just part of it. So. I love that. Oh man. I need, I need to start doing that. Now you should have a pup date for your giant pup. Well, I, I just, I really like, sometimes I'll do like just random animals on training, but not counting them. It's more mm-hmm. how many species, but that would, I feel like you have to be running and dogs, yeah, just something very specific. Mm-hmm. Mine's, mine's not specific enough. Okay. Mm-hmm. She gets up there with numbers. I think she had one race where she had, you know, close to 200 pups that she saw along the course. Wow. She's, she's doing a good job of keeping track. <laughs> I would totally lose track. That's, that is a great way to run a marathon. I get to five and I stop because that's it. Mm-hmm. Or lose count, you know, when, yeah. like when there's 200, that would be, I'd be like 71, 82, like <laughs> completely lose it. You, you know what you could do? You could just hit the lap button. And then like at the end, oh, yeah. you have 200 laps and you're like, yeah, one for every dog. <laughs> I want to put her with the, guy, the guys discussing their sleep score. <laughs> and, like, she's like, I don't know what my sleep score is, but I know how many dogs I saw in that course. <laughs> That's, I know who I want to hang out with. <laughs> Thanks, Nancy. That was fun. Um, okay. We're going to take a little break. And then afterwards, we're going to do a group. I rock because so prepare yourself, Sarah, you're going first. Let's talk about Orca for a minute. In 2018, Orca approached me at the Ironman World Championships in Kona and said, hey, we love what you are doing and we want to support women better. So we are designing products specifically for women rather than just, you know, shrinking the men's products. And we want your help. That's me, Sarah, and Feisty Media that they were asking for help from. Not only that, but I personally find that my Orca wetsuit is the best I've ever had for flexibility and buoyancy, and I definitely wish I had found it when I was racing pro. 
Fast forward four years, and Orca has launched their new triathlon wetsuits and other gear designed specifically for women. I'm so proud to have been part of this process. So you can order your very own wetsuit and other fab products for 15% off using the code IRONWOMEN15 at orca.com. That's Iron Women, the name of one of our amazing triathlon podcasts, IronWomen1515 at orca.com. Okay, Sarah, I did throw you under the bus, but are you ready? We no. could hunt this to Miranda. Not at all. Okay. I rock because I was very disappointed that Sarah didn't have her partner, Jamie, record the squirrel story last week, but I recovered from it and still appreciated her very good rendition of um the hmm. email we got from the listener so that's why i rock because i am so forgiving of you oh wow <laughs> <laughs> thank you for your leniency on this matter i i, I appreciate it so much <laughs> okay well sarah has set the bar very low <laughs> so <laughs> why don't we go uh let's go to brandon next i'm just going to go around my screen anyone who wants to do i rock because turn your camera on and if you do not turn your camera off and then that way I won't call on you if you don't want to do it. Um, and those who have their camera off right now can still join. So Miranda, let's go. Okay. I tend to go way too deep on these things. So yeah, I me too. To I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> no, I'm with you on the deep. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I decided to keep it really easy and simple. Um, I rock because I am going to three parties this weekend, which is like, as many parties as I've been to in the last year, probably. <laughs> so this is, this is a big deal for me. Wow. Yeah. Good for you. That's actually, that's good. Cause it's sometimes like hard to make time for social. Right. And I know how busy your life is. So good for you. It's cool. Making up, making up for last time. I like it. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah>. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> cool. Okay. Ray. Okay, so I have a little bit of a backstory to go with it, so it'll make sense. Um, so I had an injury. I wound up having three ankle surgeries. Um, I finally got clear to start running back in September, and it has been going miserably. I would run, and then every single part of my leg would hurt, and it might be weeks before I would feel that I was able to run again. So I rock because this week, for the first time since the injury in June of twenty. 19, I was able to run two consecutive days in a row and I'm feeling wonderful. Yay. Yay. Oh man. What a frustrating process. But when you, when you get there to where things are starting to gel, just so rewarding. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good feeling when you're coming back. Enjoy it. Okay. Sorry. Lynette, why do you rock? Okay. Um, I think so you listeners can't see this, but I'm in a hotel room in Chattanooga because I have a race this weekend, but that's not why I rock. (laughs) Um, I rock because about a month ago I got COVID spent the past two years being so free and clear and safe, but I get it, you know, about a month out from a race. And, um, it really knocked me out and I've been very tired and, uh, so for me, I think I rock because post COVID, 
I've been able to really listen to my body. I haven't really done any workouts. Miranda is my coach and she could, she can attest to that. <laughs> I haven't done many workouts at all. I've done more walking and just taking it easy. Um, I do know my sleep score, oh. but I, <laughs> I'm listening to like my body. My, my foot is in my mouth right now. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm listening yes. to my body. And I say I rock because even though I have a race this weekend, Chattanooga 70.3 that I was extremely excited for and kind of looking to be one of my top races of the year, I've now pivoted and it's all about just having an amazing, fun experience, cheering on friends. Um, I'm going to do the race, but I'm just going to go at my pace and listen to my body and see how I feel and just have a, have a fun day. So, um, I think the pivoting is the rock. Mm -hmm. rock. Yeah. Yeah. Really (laughs) awesome. And, and when in doubt count dogs. (laughs) Yes. I'm going to take that KDP's pup date. I'm going to see if I can't get some dogs, dogs on the, on the tracker. Awesome. Okay. Nancy. Well, I'm going to see Lynette in Chattanooga in a couple, in a, oh gosh, in like 24 hours. Um, and I, I rock because uh, like Lynette, I was looking forward to this race. I was looking forward to a lot in 2022 doing, I was going to do my first full Ironman. And um, my father had some, some health issues early in the year that just caused tremendous amounts of, of stress. And, and I generally don't like to give up races and things that I set, set goals for, but I, I, I had to, and I guess this is sort of that pivot, sort of recognizing that sometimes it's okay to, to let things go, take some of the stress off, readjust how you're approaching the year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I let that, that full Ironman at the end of the year go. I've deferred it to next year and I've readjusted my expectations for everything else. Mm-hmm. And like Lynette, this, this has not been stellar training leading up to Chattanooga. So I'm just going to go and have a good time. I'm just going to go swim, bike and run, smile, laugh, have a good time and, and hope that it doesn't rain. Mm-hmm. Cool. I love that. I think that pivoting thing's really important. Like I think about how it's, you know, we learn it, I think sometimes in those big moments. And sometimes I find myself doing that in like in a day-to-day way where it's like actually to, even today or the next hour is not going how I expect it to. So I'm like, pivoting and letting go um especially when you're trying to like jam all kinds of stuff into your day um it doesn't always go as expected um, sometimes so. learning the big pivot helps you figure out the smaller pivots yeah totally yeah yeah just just taking a little bit off your plate uh, all of a sudden yeah i think we're we're sometimes we're not very kind to ourselves um and we we hold ourselves to really tough standards um and having the grace to kind of step back and say, you know, this is this is something that I will get to eventually, um, but not right now. I think that's it's it's a skill. Um, mm. We all we all deserve that sort of kindness to ourselves. Mm. Totally. Oh no, I thought of another one, but okay. Okay, no, I'm going to go with the second one because you made me think of it, Sarah. Um, I rock because I'm painting and wallpapering in my home <laughs> and <laughs> I have to tell you I'm so like I I've moved well it's it was a whole journey to get <laughs> into my new house with like selling and buying in this crazy market and etc cetera, etc cetera. anyway I feel really lucky to have the place that I have but in the past 
I have never really decorated. Like I get to like, I get there and I just have a couple of pictures and I put them on the wall and I'm like, I can live like this. <laughs> it's fine. I don't need to spend money on this. Like I don't. And, and now I'm actually taking the time to go like, how do I feel in my home? And I decided I wanted to have color in my living room. And so I was thinking like, oh, I'll paint an accent wall. What color do I want it to be? I chose red, like a, not a bright red, a kind of deeper red. And uh, it says a lot of light in there. So red will go, will go well. And then I thought, I know people get like, when they get accent walls, it's an accent wall for a reason. Cause you do one. <laughs> I was like, I don't want just one red wall. <laughs> I want two red walls. And so I just like, I'm just making it up. I'm like, I don't know if two accent walls is a thing, but I'm having two accent walls <laughs> in my living room that are both going to be red. Um, and then I also bought this like red and pink fern wallpaper, you know, like the kind of wallpaper that has like big, big print on it. So it's mm-hmm. like these big ferns and I ordered it. I don't even know how to put wallpaper up, whatever. Anyway, a friend of a friend came over today. While I'm away this weekend, he's putting up my wallpaper and painting my house, my house, two accent walls red. So that's why I rock. Cause I, that's pretty quick for me. Like I've only been in that place for a month. So that's like pretty quick action on me actually doing something, which would like essentially be for myself or just like me and Rosie would be the main people to appreciate it. So that is why I rock because. Well, yeah, you, you deserve a space to be yours. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. What a good episode. I really enjoyed having, oh my goodness. I almost fell over. (laughs) That would have been a great ending. Sarah crashes to the floor. (laughs) It's all because I had a beer last week. um, Let's be honest. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you for our, thank you to our our guests for coming on to this episode. And I'll see you next week for another episode of If You're Writing, Sarah. Yeah. Thank you. I want to say thank you too. Thank you everyone for being here. This was so fun. We should do it more often. Yay. My time, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop. My town, my crown. We know what it takes to be reaching the top. We're reaching the top. We're reaching the top. We know what it takes to be reaching the top.